I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, also known as MLK Day, is recognized here in the U.S. on the third Monday in January, which falls next Monday, January 20th, 2020. Kind of a cool date, lots of 20s in there. MLK Day celebrates the life and achievements of American civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., who is most well known for his campaigns for racial equality in the United States. In recognition of this upcoming federal holiday and in honor of Dr. King's achievements and sacrifices for racial equality, today's episode focus is the role and impact of music and spirituals within African American culture. Joining us today from Chicago is Bruce Henry, an in-demand educator with a deep understanding of the connection between history, music, and culture. Bruce developed a curriculum called The Evolution of African American Music to teach the rich connection from traditional African music to the contemporary music we hear today. Bruce is also an award-winning musician whose music has taken him to five continents. He has recorded for Disney, HBO, and numerous national commercials. Fun fact, Bruce's three-and-a-half-octave range allows him to sing baritone, tenor, alto, and falsetto. Bruce has performed with many notable performers, including Natalie Cole, The Sounds of Blackness, Jimmy Jam, Chris Boti, Roberta Flack, and Bobby McFerrin. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Bruce. It's great to be here, Mindy. Thank you. It's great to have you. That three and a half octave range is incredible to me. How many vocalists have that kind of range? I don't know. I know Mariah Carey does. And, okay. uh, and um, yeah, and not very many. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Uh, well, I'm guessing that our listeners, all of our listeners today, have an understanding of what a spiritual is in the musical sense. But for purposes of our conversation, how would you define or describe a spiritual? Spirituals are a form of music. When we look at it in the classic sense, the African-American spiritual was a folk music born out of an oral tradition that was religious in nature. Okay. Now, one thing I hadn't really realized or thought about until I was preparing for this conversation was the fact that spirituals are very much an American song tradition. Africans who ended up in other countries did not have the same song form. Am I right on that? Well, I think to an extent it it wouldn't be the same form, but if you looked around... um, the African diaspora, and this, the beautiful thing about it, the parallels are so strong. So uh, there will be equivalents to this in different languages and different musical styles all over the African diaspora. And if we're calling them spirituals, because so when we say spirituals, we tend to think of African American influence and Christian music, mm-hmm. but um, there will be spiritual songs where these songs have their precedence from African spiritual songs, from African religions, indigenous religions, will have so, their okay. non-Christian songs. And so every, every country that I know of in the diaspora has their own form of either Christian spirituals, or they won't be in English, <laughs> mm-hmm. they'll have different harmony, but they will be spiritual songs all over. 
Okay. What, how would the sound of spirituals differ from America to, say, Europe or the Caribbean, Latin America? Let's take a Caribbean spiritual. And this is non-Christian. And this would be from a, a Yoruba chant from Cuba. And it will honor Shango. And this particular one is in 6-8, has a 6-8 Afro-Cuban rhythm. Uh, the lyrics itself are no longer there in Spanish and a Yoruba language patois. i sing a little bit of it for you. Yeah, that'd be great. Shango, Yemaya, Yobakla, Eluai, now, those are, you know, many African-Americans who came here were also Yoruba. But as the culture was expressed in the Caribbean and in Cuba, they would have been learning Spanish and had different instrumentations. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about the history of the spiritual before we jump into more of the function of spirituals? Well, so the history of the spiritual is we uh, often forget that the African people, and again, I'm going to confine my conversation to spirituals, what we used to call the Negro spirituals, is that okay? Okay. Because then we, because we can branch out pretty far and wide, but the Negro spiritual, as it was formerly called, was born out of well a few concepts. Well, one concept is, you know, you have to look at spirituals in the concept of their origin being African. Okay. Almost everything about it is African and is practiced the way it's practiced, the way it's sung. So the first peoples who came to America were brought to America. My ancestors came from hundreds of different African cultures. Mm -hmm. There were some commonalities. One is really important to note is the religious nature of African culture. And throughout many cultures, the presence of the divine was in everything. Mm -hmm. All art was an expression of the divine. And these are generalisms, but generally true about these many different cultures that we came from. So when you sang a song, we think like pre-Christian, if you sang a song, you were calling on the spirits to join you. If you sang a song, it was a direct communication to the divine and to the ancestors. So this is the birthright from which the spirituals came. So this element came in to America and also the idea in the spirituals, which makes them connected to our African mother, is the idea that singing and dancing are united. Mm. So the earliest spirituals that my ancestors would have sung, you know, those first generations would have been singing African spiritual music, like the song Shango. Okay. And those first generations, how common was it for them to end up in a place with others from their same country in Africa? You mentioned that they were coming from hundreds of different countries, so I'm guessing they didn't necessarily all speak the same language. There was a mixture, but uh, a lesser known fact and one that I'm just learning more about myself is um, that yeah, we did come from many different languages and often in the middle passage that you would be on a ship with many different people speaking many different tongues. But there also was a targeted importation of uh, specific African ethnicities to regions throughout the United States. So 
like all throughout the continent where there is a history of uh, Africans doing iron work. So people from what's known as uh, Angola were brought in to South Carolina. Like if you go to South Carolina today, you'll see a lot of iron work that was done by former uh, ah. enslaved people. Okay. Well, they were brought in. And from Guinea and, and in that same region also were brought in people who grew rice. So mm-hmm. people were brought in, captured also in groups. So you would have known people who spoke your tongue. Okay. Not necessarily your family or tribe, but you would have known people who spoke your tongue. Okay. In addition to language, part of music is rhythm. Mm-hmm. How common were, were certain rhythmic patterns or rhythmic beats throughout those different countries? Did a lot of those people have that in common, some of those rhythms and beats? Yeah, they they did. They would have had that. African music is very complex rhythmically. So there would have been meters that, particularly like that 6-8, that 12-8 uh, feeling, uh, even 3-4, and even more complicated rhythms in the meter of 9. So some of those you'll still see in the early spirituals as well. Because mm-hmm. those first generations were essentially singing African music. Even if their religions changed or their religions were outlawed, um, the the traditional African religions were outlawed, and there was this transition period in between their religions, mm-hmm. and uh, so so now they would have started singing songs, the original language to a patois to the colonial language of their region, English, French. Okay. And Christian themes. And also some incorporation of the music of their captors. Also some incorporation of English hymns and spirituals. And, you know, now we have a new music. Mm-hmm. Not African entirely anymore. Okay. Well, talk to us a little bit about the function of spirituals. They're, they were primarily expressions of religious faith, correct? Primarily, yes. Okay, what other functions did they have? There's a lot of theories that, as far as I know, haven't been proven, but theories that there were hidden messages in the songs, such as Wade in the Water was giving explicit instructions on Mm -hmm. slaves getting into water to avoid capture by not leaving a scent, things like that. Yeah, some of this is... uh has been documented. Some of them are could be missed. Some of them are you know, just great stories. But if I could just go back, when you when you say function to me, um, if I could just tie it back again to the uh, uh, the origin of the spiritual as it relates to African cultures, African origins. Mm-hmm. So the idea that all this music is divine, the idea that music is is how the community bonds together. Okay. That's going to play a very important important role, just even the way it's performed in the creation of the spiritual. So these Afro-music distinctions, like uh, the idea that there's no such thing as an audience, that these are communal experiences. So, so the way you look at spirituals today and the way they were then, they were primarily sung in groups. There was movement and dance to it. Mm. There was an expectation that uh, these were spiritual events and that the spirit could enter. People could enter shout, as we say, or enter to trance. So 
as we look at them now, we often might envision what they evolved to were these classical spiritual performances with a beautiful choir. But as they are described as a beautiful book, Sinners and Saints, and, and the way some of the uh, musicologists described it, and we're talking like, uh, you know, 17th century, 19th century, the way they described the spiritual was a, it was a cacophony. It was a major, <laughs> major event of sound and volume and spirit and wailing. Oh, okay. That's the origin of the spiritual. <laughs> and pretty universally, as uh, some of these musicologists were describing it, uh, you know, they were coming from their own cultural biases, but they all described the fervor of it mm. that we can't even imagine today. Mm. So that's where they started and then they evolved into other stages. Sure. Was that level of emotion and fervor typical of their song traditions while they were still in Africa or was it yes. highly? Okay. So obviously would highly be influenced also by all the trauma that they were experiencing here in the United States, but it was also characteristic of their music before coming here. It really is. It really is. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why I, you know, I do the evolution of African-American music programs because I'm, I'm, I'm in constant amazement how connected we still are to the continent, to the motherland. You know, the, the spiritual there is a Negro or African-American spiritual sing to the power of the Lord come down. Now let us sing to the power of the Lord come down. Now let us sing to the power of the Lord come down. Lift up your voice. Don't be afraid. Now let us sing to the power of the... That's literal. Mm. Well, and when you're singing that, like, I'm I'm moving. <laughs> you can't <laughs> listen to that and not move. <laughs> yeah. Well, the idea of that is that's literal. And that's also Africa. That okay. That will sing and we will dance until the spirit joins us in this space right here, right now. Hmm. So uh, you it just, you know, it's really important to understand that as you look at all African-American music, that this urgency that, yeah, we're not just singing. We are having fun. But there is this expectation of an experience with the divine. Hmm. And I know you mentioned also, so that is, that's function number one, is that a community gets together and you raise their voices to experience the divine together. Mm -hmm. There are other themes that come through there because another Afro music distinction is that music is woven into everyday life. Music is a part of everyday life. So the expectation is that music would be secular as well as spiritual. It would have different elements. You would learn, you could learn math. Music was used for everything. Oh, oh, interesting. For war, for work. So, of course, as we move into America and we have the American experience of bondage, of course, when we go there, this music is also functional. So as people are singing and they are building community in this, then one of the topics that would be foremost on their mind as they're doing this communal singing would be freedom. Mm -hmm. Would be singing, this is where the spirituals come in, and they would be singing about maybe Freedom in another world mm. through religion or through the great spiritual songs and the examples of uh, the Israelites in the Bible. And, or they would also, in what you uh, talked about, the coded messages, mm -hmm. they were actually uh, very practical and very contemporarily would talk about the concept of escape. And also they could be signals to a current movement toward freedom. Okay. 
But that ties into the functionality that music was woven into every aspect of African life. So, of course, the spirituals were here, too. Okay. So the spirituals, they were primarily expressions of religious faith, but they also were primarily expressions of identity and shared values and customs and history. That's really neat. Very much so, yeah, and, and and I think they have they have that message to teach us. Like one of the aspects of uh, like uh, one of the ways that the spirituals um, were practiced and performed was in the ring shout. Mm. This tradition is mostly lost to us in America. Okay, uh, people like the Gullah shouters. Uh, there are a number of Gullah Geechee groups in uh, southeastern. Part of the United States, uh, from North Carolina down to Florida, primarily in South Carolina and Georgia, they keep this tradition alive. So it comes from African communal dancing, where in the ring shout, as practiced in America, these were the keepers of African retentions. Okay. Uh, religious, spiritual, cultural, music. Uh, music styles, so people would get together. I often compare it to like a flash mob, (laughs) (laughs) you know, which is an interesting concept in our modern world. Uh, We're going to meet this time and we're going to do this, sing this song and leave. Well, in a way, if you think early on, our ancestors were singing these communal songs and they'd sing them in circles. And it was the one time where they could get together and express themselves and when was that time that they got together? Was like when did they have the time off? Yeah, work when did, that they could gather like that. When did they? <laughs> was well, there a certain time? I know these are spirituals. Was it a Sunday where they were given some time off? Yes, yeah, Sunday would have been the time of most freedom. And I, I just know that my ancestors attended the church of their slave master. At least one of my ancestors, the Brown Riggs, mm-hmm. um, attended the church of their master. Okay. And after that service, as is typical, after they would sit in a very European-American experience, after they would sit there at the back of the church or in the balcony, they often would go off and then uh, worship God using these spirituals in the way that they would, including movement and dance and singing styles of their own. Okay. Okay. Sometimes using the songs they sang taught in church. And to transform them into what we know as the Negro or African-American spiritual. Hmm. One of your quotes that I thought was really interesting is you said, to understand African-American music, its history, and the context in which it exists within the African-American community is to gain a profound insight into the Black experience. To participate and experience these truly American art forms is to understand the nature of what we African-Americans call soul. And spirituals was sort of the precursor to a lot of modern music forms that many of us now are more familiar with, like gospel music, ragtime, mm-hmm. blues, jazz, soul. Yes, yes, it, it all comes from there. It all comes from these spirituals. Okay. What about rap and hip-hop? Is there a correlation there? Yes, yes, it is. See, um, rap and hip-hop, well, if we look at it, I wish I could draw you a diagram right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to humbly try to use my words to make the connection. So so one of the things is to get to know me in this short period of time and, and my point of view. Mm-hmm. So from my point of view, the genres and the styles are the makings and the creations of other people. 
of marketing people or historians trying to get an understanding of it. I see these as new African music. Mm. I see spirituals as new African music. I see rap as new African music. Mm. That's me. Okay, mm-hmm. and how that can be backed up. How do I know that's true? Well, I mean, if I look just straight at the chronological development of rap music and what it was born out of, you know, out, out of R&B, and then elements trace it all the way back to the sing-song nature of the black preacher. Mm-hmm. I've read about, I've seen a hundred preachers who were who rappers long before we heard the word rap. There's an African verbal arts tradition. My father uh, and his buddies, were bus drivers. Mm. And they there was a tradition going back. They're the last people I saw practice it, but they would rap and toast. Mm. And they had rhymes and poetry of, of boasting that go all the way back to the stories of Shine. And Shine was a black um, superhero from the oral tradition oh. who spoke in rhythm and rhyme. And so people from bars to to everywhere, churches to fields would do these poems. My dad would do these poems. Mm-hmm. They go back probably, you know, a couple hundred years. It was a form of rebellion, just like the spirituals were. Mm-hmm. It sure. toast. And in Shine's example, Shine was a superhero. Okay. And he always, you know, he was often a cook, a chef, a janitor in these stories. And he overcame his oppression, specifically against the white man. Mm-hmm. So this boasting, rhyming, verbal improvisation leads directly to rap. You mentioned that spirituals were also sort of a rebellion, and that's a whole other function that we haven't even talked about, was it could serve the purpose of being almost like a socio-political protest that was veiled as assimilating to their their new culture. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. It has. It, it's so beautiful. It has so many different contexts, yeah. so many different layers, and one just being just the spiritual aspect of of divining, of of, of connecting with the divine, uh-huh. but, but also you know like uh, you know just the inspiration. Uh, the song like "Mary Don't You Weep," you know the phrase "Pharaoh's army got drowned" mm-hmm. <laughs> is repeated over and over again. <laughs> sure. It, it, Song, right? Uh-huh. So there are many examples like that. Mm, fascinating. Well, I ask all of my guests to give listeners what I call an improv, which is a try this at home, a hack, an experiment that will enhance listeners' lives with music. Do you have a recommendation today for listeners? Well, one is well, we mentioned a little bit about the ring shout. Yes. And I love the concept of the ring shout. I've never heard of that until you mentioned it. Yeah, well, if you think of it again as a context, this was a musical practice that helped keep alive African musical retentions. And these African musical retentions are going to lead us to spirituals, rock and roll, jazz, etc. Okay. I've I've been able to to direct people to do this. uh, But I'm wondering, are people willing to try this on their own? (laughs) (laughs) So, so. The, the beautiful aspect of a community of people performing a ring shout. What I like about a ring shout, imagine standing with your friends, say two or three or more, or family, in a circle. Now, you can take a spiritual song like Way in the Water, or you can take a folk song of your choice. <laughs> okay. Now, you sing this song, something easy that everybody can sing, and then the circle begins to move 
Well, in this case, in the African-American music tradition, the ring shout developed to go counterclockwise. Mm. They will go counterclockwise. Now, as you're singing and you're dancing, they say you're clapping your hands, your movement. You're free to move around the circle. You're free to create individual movement as you go around the circle together with your friends. Okay. This and thing I'm is, guessing that's where the word ring comes from, is that the circle is formed? Yes. Okay. Now, what would happen in the ring? in Africa and as it evolved in America is at some point a person would come in and just emotion would fill them. They need to be self-expressing. They'd go in the middle of the circle and dance. Mm, so it's kind of like a jazz solo. <laughs> it, exactly. <laughs> and this is, is exactly a physical representation of Dixieland jazz. Okay. Where everyone, and if you listen to Dixieland, it seems like everyone's playing all at once. But there is a structure there. And every now and then, without someone pointing at you, democracy, pure democracy, someone just moves to the center because they just couldn't help it and they express themselves. Mm. Now, as this related culturally, uh, going back, people would sometimes come out in a duet. Sometimes people would come oh. in the middle of the circle who had a, who, they would dance it off with somebody who they had a problem with. Oh. Or they would flirt with someone they felt <laughs> attracted to. <laughs> The spirit was moving them. They couldn't help it. <laughs> they couldn't help it. So for me, I would I would love it if people would try this as a way to bond, as a way. I've done it with people, and, and, and people have been amazed at the sense of community that can be built by this communal performance. Mm, so where can listeners either observe or participate in a ring shout performance? Well, if you would go on YouTube or uh, Google um, and and search Gullah Geechee Shouters. Okay, and I'll include the links in the show notes to this also so that you, uh, listeners know how to spell it. Gullah is G-U-L-L-A-H and Geechee is G-E-E-C-H-I-E. Yes, and the ones that you see will be from um, south on the internet, South Carolina and Georgia area and, uh, and the Gullah Shouters. So the Gullah Shouters are only in South Carolina and Georgia? Well, there's a Gullah Geechee National Corridor that's been established to help keep alive these traditions and make people aware of these traditions. Now, it is actually a 500-mile corridor where they say Gullah Geechee peak culture is, is present. And it actually runs from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, okay. But the heartland of it people who've gone the furthest in recognizing their culture is is centered around Buford and in Georgia and South Carolina. Okay. How can listeners learn more about you and your work and connect with you? Well, my website is bruceahenry.com. And on there are links to, uh, you know, the things I do as a vocalist and also my evolution of African-American music activities. There are plenty of links. You can learn more about me and what I do. Mm-hmm. Great. I'll include that in the show notes. You also have a Facebook fan page and an Instagram account, so I'll include links to those as well. I'm going to put one other organization's contact info in the show notes because a special thank you is due to Minneapolis's own Minnesota Black History Museum. The folks there were the starting point of introducing me to Bruce. Uh, so special thanks to them and also to T. Michael Rambo for making that introduction. The museum highlights the achievements, contributions, and experiences of African Americans in Minnesota. 
Admission and parking are free and made possible by tax-deductible 501c3 charitable donations. So I encourage you to look up their website. You can click on the link from the show notes or go to maahmg.org. I ask all of my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Is there a musical moment you can share with us today? Well, yes, in terms of a person who has influenced me from afar, I've never had the pleasure to meet him. I have seen him perform. Is uh, I like I like complicated, uh, eclectic uh, people. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, you see the world uh, in so, from so many different directions. And Harry Belafonte, as I look at his life, you know, he's primarily an entertainer. He started out as an entertainer, a singer. Check one. Okay. So I love him for that. I love all singers, good ones, bad ones. They're all the same to me. <laughs> and so I love him for that. And as a man, as I, as I got older, I started to realize, you know, because here's just this concept of music being a part of everyday life. Music has a functional side. It has a role to play in society. We artists can affect change. And then, and then I read about Harry Belafonte uh, taking his money as a, a he's a crossover superstar. Hmm. He ain't white people like him, all kinds of people like him. And he takes his money and helps finance civil rights work. Hmm. He does this quietly. Hmm. He plays an important role. He uses his celebrity to help the movement in some of its darkest days, Martin Luther King, just financing at a risk to his career and, and sometimes even to his life. Mm. Okay, so he's a check mark there. And then I learned more about him. Uh, the next stage is I learned that he's an Afro-musicologist. He created an anthology called The Long Road to Freedom, which is the most comprehensive Recording I've heard, including some of the Smithsonian recordings, mm. about the history of African American music. Oh. So he created this volume with dozens of songs and an incredibly thoughtful book uh, that accompanies it. Nobody knew about it because actually the tapes were lost. So what he did when he was traveling around the world and he was being Harry Belafonte, if he was performing a concert, he would also, with his own money, go record ring shouters. Mm. Or he would record the equivalent of the Gullah Geechee, the Creole music in Louisiana and Mississippi region. He did uh, choirs, uh, stevedore songs. It's the most exhaustive, wonderful book, wonderful book. Mm. And he did this all on his own. It was lost till time until maybe 20 years ago or less. It was lost literally mm. in the basement. And, it, and so as a musicologist, it's been a, an amazing tool to me to hear these people, not just read about them, because mm-hmm. he did this over decades. Uh, so, OK, in flash forward today with Harry Belafonte, he is still, as an um, elderly gentleman, speaking truth to power and using his art and his voice to be a creator of change. And so I admire him because I believe in the, I believe in the power. And the music isn't all serious to me. I, I believe in joyful music. I believe in jokes. I believe in mm-hmm. funny music and love songs, sensual songs, all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and people have a right to express it however they choose. I support that. But f- for me, besides keeping me sane, uh, music is a way for me to help build community. So when I see someone like Harry Belafonte, it's like a role model extraordinary. 
Sounds like it. Yes, very inspiring. Now I need to go out and read it all about Harry Belafonte. <laughs> Another quick thing about him, he's, as a, you know, I am a, a, a Pan-Africanist. Um, I think there's uh, four of us left. Uh, <laughs> what is a Pan-Africanist? Well, believe in in the diaspora. You know, I am a citizen of the universe. I'm also, uh, you know, I'm connected with all humans, but I'm also connected with my brothers and sisters of the diaspora. Okay. Uh, my, my brothers and sisters who were transported from Africa to Peru, mm. uh, who are in Cuba, okay. who are here. Uh, so a uh, Pan-Africanist's point of view is that we all have a special bond and unique cultural bonds, music practices, religious practices, cuisine, mm. uh, Political history are tied together. Mm. So, um, so through his music choices, even his recordings, you can see he felt comfortable with singing Caribbean songs, African American songs, African songs, French African songs. He 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 was giving us that. He is still giving that the message of the diaspora of the connections. Mm. Brilliant. I need to see if there's a documentary on him. He sounds absolutely fascinating. Yeah, he is, and and and, and they tell me he's he's really good looking too. That's what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have it all. Daylight come and me wango Work all night and a drink a rum Daylight come and me wango Stack banana till the morning come Daylight come and me wango Come Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana Daylight come and That song is the YouTube clip of one of Yuri Belafonte's well-known songs, Deo, also known as the Banana Boat Song. The video is included in the show notes, as well as a link I found to a documentary on Belafonte that I plan on watching. It's called Sing Your Song. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back in your ear next week with some fascinating information on music in video games. (laughs) I'm going to do what I can to help you make the legitimate claim that some of that gaming time has educational value. If you'd like a few musical tidbits during the week, follow me on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at Enhanced Life Music. I usually post a few times during the week with extra pictures from interviews or my life or topics related to enjoying music's benefits. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.